Welcome to Power Skills. Today, we're talking about the art of storytelling. We're going to discuss what storytelling actually is and how to perfect the skill. Today, I'm joined by Sue Hohenleitner, VP of Finance at Johnson & Johnson Innovation. And you'll soon learn why Sue is the perfect person to explain storytelling and the art of interpreting financial data. So thank you for joining me, Sue. Thanks for having me, Olivia. So let's start with um, some some kind of background on you before we even get to storytelling. Tell us about um, your career and and what storytelling kind of is to you in in what in your role now. Yep, absolutely. So um, I began my career a while ago. So I was in public accounting um, right out of college, and I was an accounting major. So you know, that progression is pretty normal for an accountant to kind of go into public accounting, kind of learn a little bit about the industry or a lot more about the the whole profession of accounting. And then um, after a little while, about four years, you know, I realized I, I kind of wanted to do something different. And so I had done a co-op at Johnson & Johnson. And so for me, it was a really natural next progression is going to a company that I did feel like I knew a lot about um, from my co-op experience. So I've been with Johnson & Johnson now a little over 25 years. I still can't believe it. It's been that long, um, but it's been it's been great. And I have to tell you, if you asked me 25 years ago about storytelling, I would have been like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You know, and and I think the reason is, you know, that art, you, you kind of cultivate it along the way, I think. You know, there's not just a book of how to tell the right story. And what do we even mean by storytelling? I mean, and to me, it's really about really explaining you know, what you know and what you can um, interpret about whether it's numbers or messages or analytics or whatever you're seeing within the business. So it's, it's kind of an interesting question about storytelling. So, you know, I think we can all interpret it different ways. So yeah, that's helpful. And and so let's, um, you, you've already said a little bit about kind of what it is, but let's talk about what really what we mean. So when we say mm-hmm. storytelling, obviously in this context, we're talking about financial storytelling, mm-hmm. And so what what do we mean when we say financial storytelling? Yeah, what I would say is that's really the the message behind the numbers. And so, you know, we always talk about, you know, being able to generate numbers and generate data. And that's always great. And it's one part of a much bigger story. It's more about interpreting what the message is behind the numbers. And that's really what I say storytelling is. And, you know, I know one of the things that I have not, you know, coined this phrase myself. I borrowed it and I'm sure I'm, you know breaking copyright laws somewhere. But, you know, if, if, if I need to know something, you know, one of the things I always say is, tell me what I need to know. You know, as a finance executive, I don't need to know everything you know about a subject. You need to tell me exactly what I need to know to make sure I get the data right. So, you know, that's incumbent upon the person telling the story is don't overdo it. You know, tell the person what they need to know. You know, don't, um, if I ask you what time it is, don't build me a watch. You know, that whole, you know, adage that we always have. So, it's really that way. It's what are the key messages, not what are all the messages. And that's what I think a good story is. You know, you don't pick a book to, to read on your leisure time by the number of pages. You pick a book because you see on the back, you know, what it says, what are some of the literary, you know, things with it. It's not because it's 900 pages instead of 400. And to me, I'd pick the 400 pager anytime over that. So that's my that's my kind of interpretation of, of kind of what is storytelling and why it's really important. And so this audience is, you know, early career and students. So I think I love what you said about, you know, tell me what I need to know, not necessarily what you know, because I think 
there is an instinct in somebody kind of early in their career trying to prove mm-hmm. their their worth and their knowledge and yep. uh so i could see why someone might be tempted in that in that role or in that um stage of their career rather yeah. to kind of vomit the <laughs> everything that they know and so um when you know this this session is called the art of storytelling and i think that is kind of the differentiator is we, we understand now what storytelling is, but the art, you know, kind of perfecting it, I think has to do with editing yourself and thinking about what the, the receiver is really needing from you. Is that fair to say? I would definitely say that. And, and right off the bat, you're not going to know exactly what that is. That's why it is an art. Um, and what I'd suggest too is get some coaching on it. You know, that's Mm. why everybody normally has a boss that they can run things by or a mentor and say, you know, this is what I'm thinking of talking through. Here's my main point. What do you think? Especially if it's a mentor or boss that has done it before, they'll give you plenty of good coaching on, on how to do that. The other thing I would suggest is be confident in yourself because management knows you know a lot more about a subject than you're probably talking about. So you really should just know that off the bat. Like they realize you know a lot more but you are only rising to the top, the key five, six or seven points. Um, so, so I think that's a really, you know, key thing to, to know as well. So um, something to think about as you're perfecting that art of storytelling. Right. They hired you for a reason. You mm-hmm. have to trust that, Yep. Uh, that they have faith in you and that they know that you're knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand that if you're going to kind of over explain, you're actually wasting their time and, and their kind of, um, attention. Right. So absolutely. And one other thing on that, that I think is really important while you're doing that, look at body language, like look Mm -hmm. at you and me, the way we're talking to each other. If I, if you can see my eyes glancing down, looking at my phone or, you know, my hands are moving. So, you know, I'm doing something different. Like you're overdoing it. Like they already checked out, you know, think of, think of Twitter, think of like social media. You don't write three paragraphs. And when somebody does, chances are none of you are reading it. You're just glancing and liking it and moving on, you know? So look at the body language of the person that you're talking to. Chances are they've also done your job before or some variation of it. So, you know, they're not going to sit there and need the long one-on-one lesson. They need, like we said, what they need to know. And chances are they already know the answer while you're talking to them in some cases. Right. So body language is really, really important there too. That's a great point. So you said if, if I asked you like 20 years ago, you wouldn't know what storytelling was. Do you think, you know, at this point is storytelling part of the curriculum? Is it being taught in finance and accounting programs? Like, do you think that if you were coming up now in finance and accounting, you would have a, have had a better kind of foundation through school? I think so Mm. more because, and I'll tell you why I, back when I was in school, certainly we didn't have the technology advances. So we were doing a lot more manual work. So there were a lot of people that were just crunching data. And now we've gotten to the point where things are so automated and we've got plenty of um, intelligent automation and things like that that can do that manual work that we're expected to come in a lot more equipped to analyze versus chooch numbers. I hate that word, but I'd like to use it when, when I think about kind of the old school way of doing things. So yeah, I don't know if we'd necessarily call it storytelling. That feels sometimes a little... Like, oh, okay, sit back, relax, and listen to my story um, because things are moving quick. But it is about delivering key messages and what is the data and what are the financials telling me. So I do think schools and, you know, certainly the training that you get probably early on in your career is a lot more hyper-focused 
on the messages and the analytics and the partnering that you have to do versus crunching data. So is this something that you, if you have mentees at J&J or mm -hmm. if, if, you know, you have a team of earlier career folks, is this something that you really focus on with them? And, and are you, what kind of level of skill are you seeing people kind of come in with? Yeah, I mean, I'd say we are focusing on it a lot more. And I would say pretty much management everywhere is also doing that because we need um, information as fast as we can get it. And, you know, these things are just speeding up year after year and month after month. And so, you know, we are focused on that. It's a lot about communication. I joke, too, that sometimes my job sometimes feels a lot more like a communications expert than it does, you know, an actual, you know, finance expert. I mean, it's got to be both, of course. But, you know, if you can't tell your story and communicate it succinctly, you know, you're going to lose the audience and people are going to maybe lose a key message that you have in, in your explanation. So, yeah, I mean, we focus on it a lot. I have a lot of mentees that I love to talk through their career things and aspirations and what they want to do. But a lot of that is about, you know, how are you going to get the skills you need as you move through the organization? And a lot of that has to do with communication, you know, telling stories. And even when you think about that, and I'm going a little on tangent here, um, but in communicating what you want to continue to do in your career, I mean, that's a story too. So you don't want to get that lost in interpretation. So think about everything that you're communicating as if your career and your job depends on it. Because it might someday, you know, and, and if you really want to go somewhere and do something within your career that might be unique or different and not on the normal path, you got to communicate that and you got to do it succinctly and you have to have a reason to believe. And why is it that you want to be or do that next thing? So, Absolutely. sorry, I know we, I went off a little bit on that. No, I think that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. And it was a, it was something that I was thinking about too, is like so much of what you're saying about financial storytelling is true of just communicating in the, in the workplace in general. Yep. Uh, so it, I think, I'm, I think it's a great point that you made, yep. um, as far as the mentees that you have in the, and the team and, and just kind of anecdotally, what are you seeing as the blind spots or the kinds of the, the gaps of knowledge when it comes to, to storytelling? Yeah. So it has a little bit to do with the, um, the body language. I think sometimes, and I know we've been all zooming for so long. Um, but I think sometimes when people just talk at you versus make it an inclusive conversation, that's been a key watch out. And I think, you know, as you guys know, once you put a Zoom up, a lot of times you lose the pictures of the audience, depending on how you have your settings set up. And so you're just kind of talking and you don't know whether people are nodding, whether they're animated and engaged or not. So whether you're sitting in a room or a boardroom or a conference room or you're on a Zoom, you got to be able to see and, and really understand what people are doing with what you're talking about. You can't just sit. I can read a bullet on a page as easy as you can. So don't read me a bullet. You need to be communicating a story. I can scan the bullet and chances are I probably read your pre-read. So if all you're going to do is put me in a room and say what you already sent me, don't bother. You know, and I think that's it. That's a bit of a pitfall um, that people do. And granted, I, I think looking back on my career, I'm sure I did that a couple of times too. Like when you're nervous, you know, what you know is what's on the screen and that's sometimes, you know, what you can rely back on. So just that's to me, one of the big pitfalls for sure. So, so kind of a little bit different from a pitfall, what are the misconceptions do you think about storytelling? What do um, finance and accounting professionals maybe misunderstand about storytelling, but also maybe outside of finance and accounting, what do, what do you think are the misconceptions there? 
Um, what I'd say is even the word storytelling sometimes sounds just like it's something you're listening to, not something you're learning from. And so that's what I think is the key difference. And people have to realize that when you talk about storytelling, I'm here to teach you something. I'm not just here to have you listen to something. I'm here to really explain, teach, and give you insights that you didn't know before. And so that's what has to be different about it. We're all teacher mode, but you want to be that teacher that people want to come and listen to. You don't want to be coming to that class that's like, all right, good. Can't wait till this is over. You need to go and want to be listening to that person. And so that's where I think the stories that you tell and the insights that you have, people have to want to listen to. And so that, that's to me key as well. And, you know, I'm sure you can all think about great professors and great teachers you've had along the way. Think about the why and really try to emulate some of that stuff. I mean, you want to be inclusive and you want people to kind of come to you, not because they have to, but because they know you can explain something in a way they can understand it and take and benefit from it, you know, along the way. It's so interesting that you put it that way, because I'm thinking about if you if your goal is for someone to listen, that's really about you. Right. But if your goal is is for somebody to learn, that's about them. Absolutely. So it's shift, making that shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like the way you said it. <laughs> I kind of described it, but I think you summarized it exactly. It when, makes sense to me. Yeah. And yeah, and no one is too old, too high up in the organization or too seasoned to learn. So don't feel like, yeah. you know, that's another kind of misconception. Or even I think when I was early in my career, like the confidence I had, I'm like, wow, I'm talking to somebody who's been in the job 20 years. Like, what am I going to tell them that they don't already know? And you have to understand that, you know, things change quickly. There's plenty of stuff that you're encountering and you're analyzing now that is going to help them make better decisions. And that's really what it's all about. So have some of that confidence as well to know that you are important and you are giving them insights they need. So on that note, how does storytelling kind of change as you progress in your career? Like, what does it look like? Or or maybe it doesn't. Is it sort of always, um, is the art of storytelling just that be concise and and be to the point or does it sort of change as you progress it evolves for sure and that evolves with even what i just said some of your confidence level that helps your storytelling and the art of how you do it evolve as you gain more confidence and more experience doing it but i also think depending on as you move in your career to different roles you know your audience is going to be different and your level of technical knowledge is going to be different too so you do have to kind of you know, pair that and the way you deliver your message with what the content is and your content and your, what you know, and what you influence is going to get larger and larger as you move in your career. So you are going to have to adapt those messages. They're not going to be as, um, I probably hate to use this word, but basic, you know, at earlier in your career, they're going to be basic, you know, tidbits of knowledge, hopefully. And as you move up, they're going to probably be a lot more technical, complex and gray. And I, I say that because you know, as you continue to move in your career, the decisions that you are going to be a part of making, they're going to not be as simple as the ones in your early in your career, because, you know, what, you know, things always bubble to the top when, when the answer is much less clear, you know, you can make decisions if it's easy, you know, but as they move up and as you move up, they're going to be harder decisions to have to make, which is precisely why you need all the right information at your fingertips to make the right decision. So that's what I so if you're not so confident in this mm-hmm. area, you mentioned earlier that you mm-hmm. it makes sense to reach out to somebody, kind of get some training. So we're going to talk about some, you know, the resources a little bit later, 
But in terms of seeking out a mentor or somebody, if you find somebody that you think does this very well, what are some of like the questions you can start with? I mean, obviously a starting point is, Hey, I need some help, you know, on this particular skill, but what are some of like, maybe for you as a mentor, um, and as kind of an expert in this area, what are some of the questions that you've been asked that are like, Oh, that's a good one. Like that's something to, that is going to be very helpful for that person as they go on this journey. Yeah. I mean, I would say, ask all the questions you can become more confident. So when sometimes I would tell you in my early career, when I was the most nervous during either a presentation or something I had to, to do to communicate to management, the better I knew my material, the much more confident I was. When I walked in here and there where, you know, to me, it was a little sketchier on that. They were the meetings I was much more nervous in because I'm like, you know what, if they go three levels deep, I don't know if I know that answer. Now, granted, you don't always have to be perfect and know it, but you can always come back with, hey, let me follow up on that. You don't want to give a wrong answer. But at the same time, the more confident you are in what you do know, the more poised and confident you'll appear and be when you actually have to be telling a story. So, you know, I would say first and foremost, know your stuff. Do not kind of come into something kind of half knowing it or saying, well, this is what they told me. You need to know and you need to be curious to understand. And if you don't know why you're communicating a certain message, figure it out. Like go deeper and that's going to make you more confident. Um, And so that would be my one big thing to say. So know your stuff and then really just practice makes perfect. And you never have to be actually perfect. But the more you do it, the more you'll be like, I can walk into a room, whether there's three people in there or 150 and get up and tell the same message or, you know, be engaging. So I think that's the other thing. The more you do it, the easier it gets in your career. I'm not going to say every 